With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The Skim is a morning email newsletter that tells 5 million subscribers, including Oprah, the news they need to know. It's the brainchild of Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg, who are two former roommates who quit their jobs at NBC to start the company in 2012. But getting the skim off the ground was a near impossible task. Both of them took on credit card debt to do it, and no investors would give them any money. We literally made a list of all of the people, all of the investors, angel, seed funds, you know, we would turn anyone that said no red. And the whole list, which was a lot of names, was completely red. We had just over $4,000 between the two of us. We lived in a rent-stabilized apartment downtown, and we agreed to go into credit card debt together. Because there was no plan B. There was only, we're on our couch, we can't afford cable, uh, we're maxed out our credit cards. Um, you know, our parents are giving us hugs, but that was, you know, the support. Carly's parents made us a lot of dinner. Um, and that was it. There was nowhere else to go. We spoke to them both about the empire that they're building over at the skim on this episode of success how i did it a business insider podcast that explores the career paths of today's most accomplished and inspiring people i'm your host mbi's u.s editor-in-chief allison Chantel. carly zakin and danielle weisberg are here with us today they launched the skim a morning email newsletter in july 2012 business insider actually wrote the first article back then and now it's got over 5 million subscribers, including A-listers like Oprah and Hillary Clinton's campaign manager and John Podesta, <laughs> uh, as we all learned this summer in the email leaks. We did. An exciting thing to uncover, um, along with, I think he had a risotto recipe in there as well. <laughs> so. But I wanted to go back, take you guys back to 2012 and actually a little bit before. You met as students studying abroad in Rome, both worked at NBC, and then you quit to start a newsletter. So tell me about that process. So, well, first of all, thanks for having us on. Of it's course. really exciting to be back here. You wrote the first article about us, so it's a lot of deja vu. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, you know, when we started, so Carly and I met studying abroad in Italy. We had a great time um, and didn't think about what we were going to do later on. Um, and then had a really similar background. We're both storytellers. We love journalism. We love news. It was our passion. We started interning for NBC News as soon as we could, and then we grew up in in that world. NBC was our universe. We always wanted to work there. Uh, we worked our way up the ladder from intern to full-time, and then we were producers, and between the two of us, we worked in pretty much every news division that they had. Uh, we were roommates in an apartment in New York, and we would kind of come home 
to each other every day and talk about um, really two things. One is, you know, as cliche as it sounds, um, and it's funny looking back at it now, but we were very much having a quarter life crisis of being, you know, 25 and 26 and loving what we were doing, but wanting to move up and not wanting to hear that, you know, you have to get in line and wait 10 years for a position that might open up. And that was really frustrating as two people that loved what they were doing and just wanted to do more of it. The second thing that we heard and we would talk about um, was just our friends who are smart and have great jobs and knew everything about their industries, but would come home and ask us what was going on in the world. And that was our job. That's what we did for a living. We read all day long um, and we reported on the news and our friends didn't do that. They had other things to, to fill their time with. Um, and it wasn't a matter of intelligence and it wasn't a matter of interest. Uh, it was just that's not what they were being paid to do. So we wanted to create a news source that actually brought this audience um, you know, that was exemplified by our friends, female millennials, um, who are smart and leading in so many ways, but didn't have a news source that they loved. And we knew that we could create that. So the newsletter was never the be-all, end-all. It was the beginning to a very big, I think, empire that we knew that we could create in harnessing the power of female millennials and being their go-to source for information that really matters and can drive the big decisions that they're making in their lives. So at the time when you did this in 2012, it felt like newsletters had kind of been there, done that. Daily Candy was a big one that got acquired for a ton of money. Thrillist had been around for a few years, a popular guy newsletter. Um, what made you think that newsletters are where it's at? We're going to make them cool again. Especially um, for email. It wasn't newsletters that we thought about. It was email, which was we – I think there's a, a beauty in how naive we were, which is that we didn't have a tech background. We didn't have a business background. And, you know, we talked about that a lot. But it helped us not think about th- – not overthink about things. And we just thought about, okay, well, what's the best way to get in front of our friends? And we went back and forth. Should we text them? We were like, no, the very first thing you do in the morning is you turn off your alarm. It's on your phone. You grab your phone and you literally open your email to be like, did someone die? Am I getting fired? Or is my boss yelling at me? And like, what did my friend send me? And we knew we had to be in that moment. And one of our friends worked in finance and she left the office, left for the office at like 5.50 in the morning every morning. So we were like, we got to get it out to her on that commute. So we chose 6 a.m. And so a lot of the hallmark hallmarks of what the skim is about, which is about that one-eyed open routine, we call it, and being in that moment and being in there at 6 a.m. happened because we were literally just thinking about our friends' daily experiences. And we weren't overthinking it. We weren't like, let's A-B test this. We didn't even know what A-B testing was at that moment. And uh, for us, you know, when we started the skim, we met, started meeting with investors, industry experts, and everyone was like, email is dead this is a really bad idea. But they literally would email that to us. And we, I mean, we would just laugh at it because we're like, you're saying email's dead, but you're emailing that to us. And I, we both still read email every single morning. And obviously since then we've seen, you know, a resurgence of email newsletters. And a lot of that we've been told is credited to what we've done. Um, but for us, I think, you know, we've talked so much about all the things we didn't know. We didn't spend a lot of, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about what we did know. And what we did know is that we knew how to talk to this audience, how who they were, and we also knew we were not starting an email newsletter company. We knew email was a marketing tool. So talk about um, quitting your jobs at NBC, because you did that, and you bootstrapped for a bit, right? There, You said just now there wasn't a ton of investor interest, your first-time founders, no technical background. It's like everything that makes a VC Yeah, everything away. that yeah. would make you not 
think this is a good idea. I right. think it's funny when people ask that because they're like, oh, you decided to bootstrap it. And we're like, we didn't decide. We quit our we jobs. And, and like, bootstrap is such a generous term because it makes it seem like we had money to yeah. bootstrap. We worked in media in mid-level jobs. We had just over $4,000 between the two of us. We lived in a rent-stabilized apartment downtown, and we agreed to go into credit card debt together. And we literally just pay, both paid off our credit card debt in the last year or so. And um, it was a huge sacrifice that even looking back now, I'm like, I can't believe I made those choices because it sounds so unlike myself. It sounds so unlike you. I think the other part, too, is like people hear our story now, and they think about it as like, you know, two women – decide to quit their jobs and start their own company. Quitting our jobs, it was the scariest day of our life. Like that was not something that was easy. And I think that those first months, every point of this company has been hard. And I think that's, you know, the case with any time you're building something. But those first months, it was, um, we only got through it mainly because we didn't have a backup plan. We didn't have a safety net financially, emotionally. Like this was everything we everything we had we put into starting this company. And I think that was our saving grace because there was no plan B. There was only we're on our couch. We can't afford cable. Uh, we've maxed out our credit cards. Um, you know, our parents are giving us hugs. But that was, you know, the support. Carly's parents made us a lot of dinner. Um, and that was it. There was nowhere else to go. And so we, you know, when everyone was saying no, and we literally made a list of all of the people, all of the investors, angel, seed funds, you know, um, in, and we would turn anyone that said no red. And the whole list, which was a lot of names, was completely red. And I remember a day in our kitchen, and we had just gotten off a pitch that, you know, again, ended with, thanks so much, not interested. And we just had to make a decision. Are we going to go for this, or are we going to go try to get jobs freelancing for the 2012 election? Um, And it wasn't really even a decision. It was just like a half second to kind of reevaluate where we were, change our pitch a bit, and that was it. And, you know, I think that was the closest we've ever come to a crisis of confidence in this company. Um, But I think if you let those things get to you early on, it's kind of like you don't know what else is coming because there's going to be a lot more challenges. So had you launched the first newsletter at that point? Or why why quit your job if you're launching a newsletter to begin with? Because you can do that while keeping your 9 to 5. It was funny. We were... Well, well, two things. Yeah. One is we had both weird schedules. So I worked daytime, but Danielle worked nights. So we couldn't do that. Um, one of us would have had to change our schedules. The second was um, we we took a class, uh, a Skillshare class, while we were still employed. And we um, it was ironic because we the class we signed up for was how to find your business partner. And that was the only thing we knew how to do and had had. Um, but that person, Alex Taub, actually became a mentor to us. And he was one of the first people to tell us if you're going to start something you need to be all in like how can you ask anyone to even think about giving you money if you have not made sacrifices to prioritize that for yourself and I remember like I still honestly when people come to us and ask for advice about starting a business and are like I can't afford to quit I still have mixed feelings about what to tell them because who am I to tell someone how what financial decisions they should make but for us we were asking people to believe in us and we had to show that we believed in this so much that we were we were willing to take a huge risk ourselves quit our jobs have no financial security and give it a shot so we took that approach that's not for everybody I don't know if it could could have worked out differently um but it, it was that. And I think there was actually like a third reason. A lot of people ask us, you know, why don't you just bring this to NBC? Why don't you get this in front of Steve Burke? And there is no way that NBC would have allowed two associate producers 
to not only run the editorial but to run the business side of what we were doing. There was just no way, and we knew we knew that in, in our gut. And um, I think that would have ruined the company in a lot of ways in starting off because the authenticity of having this idea that came so much from our friends, and it was developed around the routines of this target audience. It couldn't then have had a successful launch if it had then been, you know, led by people that had been doing this for 30 years and thought about the same strategy that had worked for all of these other um, companies and startups. Like, that's not what we're building. We're building something very different, and our audience is responding to the authenticity, one of us not having this business and tech background and starting something and taking them along for that ride and showing them what it's been like on good days and bad days. And the second part, too, is it's two journalists that absolutely loved storytelling for a living and are coming at it from being journalists starting a company that's rooted in journalism. So tell me about launching your first ever The Skim. Um, who did you get to subscribe, or how Our did you find family. the list? Uh, so we didn't we didn't add anyone to the list. Uh, we sent an email to um, everyone in our address book. When we say everyone in our address book, at that point you could download your Facebook friends' email addresses. So we literally took every email address that we had in our possession, meaning like my grandma's on chain letters, like chain mails that she forwards, took those people. Like we took all these people. So we had between the two of us 5,500 names. Um, And we sent an email. We were like, hey, quit our jobs. We're starting this. Can you please sign up? That first day, about almost 800 people signed up. Um, But we didn't add anyone to the list. So I think the first email like had, you know, our closest friends and family on it. It was like, not, I mean, not a lot of people on so it. So like 800 kind of pity subscribers? Um, 800 people who were like, I'll take a look. Yeah. And yeah, so it was like Plus the first went out to our families and friends. And then that yep. day, day one, we emailed all these people and we're like, please sign up. Um, and then there was, you know, two press articles that came out on the first day. And um, Business Insider was the first to cover us. Um, thank you. And um, that we got some traction from that. And it, it all happened very quickly because – we had also emailed every news anchor out there, truly. And we were like, we didn't know most of them, but we were like, we're former NBCers, like, thought you would love this, thought you would appreciate, you know, the need that we're solving. And most of them didn't respond. Um, Hoda Copy responded and she said, you know, I'll check it out. Like, sounds great. We did not know her. We followed up two more times, no response. Day four of us in business, she sa- said we were one of her favorite things on air. And it totally changed our life. Oh my God. So we went from, you know, at that point, let's just say under a thousand users to Has thousands. she signed up? She, she had could... signed up. Okay. So we knew she had signed up. Um, but she wasn't responding to like the follow-up emails and she fell in love with it. And she put us on the map. And all of a sudden we had geographic diversity. And all of a sudden we had huge pockets of the country that were paying attention to what we were doing. Wow. So what does a Hoda bump do to your newsletter subscribers? It crashed you... our site. Uh, it crashed our email inbox. Um, we got a few thousand people from it, and that you know we were literally. It was so funny. We went. We were actually back visiting our old bosses. We were at Thirty Rock. We were in Starbucks, and I tried to load my email, and it wouldn't load. And then someone wrote on our Facebook wall, um, "Just saw you on the Today Show," and we thought we were like, caught walking on the plaza, like in, in the background. And we were like, "Oh, how embarrassing! Like, what were we doing?" And then we realized, and then someone had posted what she had done. Um, so it was life-changing. And talk about um, how you created the voice for the skin, because that's really something that resonates. And sometimes people 
will say, oh, are they dumbing it down too much or do they cater too much? Do women need news? And that's kind of how it started. But The Voice really did set you apart. So how did you create like the skim personality? Um, it was the easiest part of, of what we've done in building this company. The Voice comes from how people speak and how we talk to our friends. Um, so we literally, we spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, how do we launch this? What are we doing? What's the ultimate vision? Um, but we literally sat down in separate parts of our apartment and went to write what would become the Daily Skim. Um, and we came back together and we hadn't really talked about what the voice would sound like, aside from knowing that it would be how we actually speak to our friends. And it was the exact same voice. Um, and I think as much as we've, since then we have put a lot of time explaining the voice to our team and putting a brand guidebook together and talking about you know, how well we know the skim girl, our character inside and out. Anyone on our team can tell you, you know, what her favorite drink is, what she's going to order at Sunday brunch. Um, and it's a living, breathing document, what she likes and where she is in life changes. Um, but that is something that everyone in our company knows because they're all telling the story of the skim and this character um, is who the brand is. And everyone on our team has to know that. So when we put the voice together, I think people, it's not for everyone. And I think when we hear criticism like that, you know, that the voice is condescending, um, we hear it all the time. It's nothing new. And I think it's really just, I don't think that there should be one size fits all approach to news. And just because someone doesn't like it, that doesn't mean it's, you know, for them. Definitely. And I mean, you all have coined some terms, like I think uh, Mitt Romney was Mittens <laughs> and yeah. Hillary is Hills. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no. And I think there's something, and BI has found the same, there's something to a conversational nature. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're dumbing it down. It means you're explaining it so that everyone, the really smart people, because you've got incredibly smart people like John Podesta on your email list, <laughs> And people who aren't, you know, heavy in politics can understand it. I think it also goes back to what we were creating, which is it's not something for experts. It's not something for, you know, just people that love politics or just people that love business. And that was a huge thing that five years ago when we started the company, we saw such a trend towards personalization that that was kind of the hot thing. And you should be able to just get information about what you're interested in. And that's great. But it left a huge void for people just to be well-rounded. And so we want to arm our audience to be able to participate in all types of conversation with all types of different people and not feel like, oh, I work in finance and my hobby is I really like baseball. So those are the things that I'm going to, you know, filter my news on. Um, and I think that was a huge difference in, in when we started. And that was something that people really latched on to, um, as well as we were describing, you know, business stories and not having words that you had to look up. We started writing the scam. I remember we did this experiment where we were reading a story and we would kind of highlight if there was a word that we couldn't explain. Like if that was a term that we had to go or a sentence we had to go look up and read, you know, four times through, that's kind of broken. There's something like, wrong with it. We're smart. We worked in news. We were following these stories day in and day out. And if we couldn't understand it, then how can you expect people whose job isn't to be up on what's going on day in and day out? So that's great. Um, so I'm really interested in how you got out of your credit card debt, um, <laughs> got out of this financial mess, because you know, a newsletter that racks up subscribers is great, but at the same time, it's also um, not immediately clear how you'll start making money, certainly not enough to pay your salaries and other people. Yeah. Um, so I think a, a few things, like one is that 
people still ask us, they're like, how do you guys make money? And I remember we were at a panel and Danielle just got pissed off. And Danielle's like, we make a lot of money. Um, I so was done. <laughs> so we're proud to say that we do very well. Um, and I think it goes back to what we knew is that email was a marketing tool. And our goal from day one, we placed a long bet on loyalty. What do you, how, what can you do with loyalty? How do you develop a community, get people engaged, and from there you can activate them and in many ways directly monetize that. Day, from truly day one, let's, maybe let's, let's not be hyperbolic, like let's just say day four, uh, we had brands reaching out to us, like our wish list brands, saying, just got this, like would love to advertise. We knew nothing about how to work with an advertiser. So instead we said, uh, we're actually not working with brands right now. And by doing that, I think we created a little bit of mystery. Uh, we, our list kept growing. They kept being more press about how big our list was um, and who the audience was. Um, and we weren't letting brands in. And what happened over time was that we continued to gain a lot of traction. We were meeting with venture capitalists who said to us, email's dead. Why are you going after a niche market like women, uh, which is ridiculous, uh, and who were like, my wife reads it. Um, and we, we, as Danielle said, we had literally thousands of no's and a spreadsheet tracking all of it. Uh, so it had been a, a year and a half almost of the two of us on our couch in coffee shops and just or growing organically. And we got to about 150,000 users um, and we were able to take in a little bit of seed money. Um, how long did that take to get to 150? Uh, about uh, 15 months, 18 months, yeah. Less, wow. than, less than 18 months. It took us a year to get to 100,000. Um, so we then, once we got in that first you know, big check, we raised just over a million dollars. It was life-changing. We took a picture of it in our bank account. We were like, we've never seen this many zeros. Like It was so exciting. Um, we we, got, we treated ourselves to nice haircuts, and then we went to go hire a team. And in hiring a team, um, we really chose to double down on growth. We had one goal, which was to get to a million users in a year. We ended up doing it in six months. And then over the course of that year, we started to let brands in, but really selectively. And so what we've been doing over the last four and a half years is building out two businesses. We have a media business. We work with sponsors in a really native capacity and we're really great storytellers with them. If you asked us, do we think it's a really innovative way that we created an email newsletter and work with brands in an email newsletter? Like, no, that is not why we raise venture capital funding. That is not why we're building a huge business. What we're doing is we have, we have turned that loyalty into a community and into a community that we can activate. And so the other business we have is a subscription business. And um, we launched our first subscription product just under a year ago, um, which has been a huge success. Uh, it's called Skim Ahead. And for us, these two businesses and you know the subsequent capital raises that we've, we've taken in um, have helped really create what, you know, as Danielle said, we're building an empire, but that is how we feel. Um, and I think you know, we see every day the thousands of users we've had have gone to the millions of users that we have. Um, and it's, it's created uh, something really special that we've been able to monetize. <laughs> So um, talk about Skim Ahead. That's your, your new product. So what is that? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'll start yeah. with that. Yeah, well, so the Skim as a company makes it easier to be smarter. We looked at the Daily Skim. We were like, here's an email that it makes it easier to be smarter about everything that happened yesterday, everything you need to know about today. And then we thought about, again, what's the routine that we all share? And outside of email, what happens next? Well, for us and our friends, we look at our phone and I immediately look at my calendar. And I'm sure you are like us and you live on your calendar as well. So we thought that that was a really interesting way to deliver information. And when we thought about what information could we solve next, it was 
that moment that we all have of, wait, when is that happening? When's that show back on Netflix? What time is March Madness on? When is the State of the Union? What night? And it was about the idea of making it easier to be smarter about the things coming up. And so we created a subscription product, it's $2.99 a month, that that can integrate directly into your calendar. Um, But for us, it it really pushed the door open towards subscription. We had a hunch, we obviously like, you know, we made it more than an educated guess um, that our audience would be willing to pay for something. I don't think we had any idea what we were stepping into. um, And I think we're so excited about how well subscription's gone over with our audience. Are there any metrics you can share to kind of show how it's been a early success? We can tell you we were uh, the number one in the uh, news app store, or, or for news in the app store um, in our first month. We continually beat the Times and the Wall Street Journal and highest grossing news apps every month. And uh, Apple actually uh, asked if we had um, figured out how to hack their rating system because <laughs> they had never seen so many five-star reviews. That's amazing. Wow. Well, well done. That's Thank great. You. Um, and so the venture capitalists did finally come around. What, they 16 did. million raised? Just something? over 15. Um, so, and it is hard in a media environment right now. There's a lot changing. 16 million is a lot, but it's you know not the 200 million no, plus no. round that you know Vox and BuzzFeed yeah. and a bunch of companies raised. So, how do you look at the media climate? What's happening there, and and how do you plan to survive? Um, just in media. I think that a blessing for this company is that we've never fit in. I think people have always been constantly surprised by our audience, even when we've gone out for raises and the traction has been there. We've never been what VCs have been looking for. So I think us trying to guess or trying to figure out what the trends are in media has never been helpful to us because um, we've always been carving our own path. Um, I think it took a long time for people to understand what we were building. Um, The criticism that we got was always like, oh, it's just that newsletter. Um, And I think that it really came through strongly with the um, election. So we launched our No Excuses campaign, which started with just how can we rally our entire company and our audience around getting people to vote. And at a time when, um, you know, a lot of other media companies uh, were facing kind of this crisis of confidence from their audience and they were endorsing and hearing a lot of backlash for is that what, you know, the role of these companies are, um, we felt like we've always been nonpartisan and our stance in the last election, just like the other elections we've covered, has been to get people out to vote. Um, So we interviewed the candidates, we launched um, a big destination site, And what we are most proud of is that we got over 120,000 people to register to vote, making us pretty much Rock the Vote's biggest partner ever. Um, That's over 90,000 women. And that's really unprecedented and has never been seen before. So, you know, the biggest um, part of our company is our ambassadors. So we have the media business, we have the subscription business, and then we have the community element. And they are the ones that, you know, are, are why Apple called us to say, how did you get so many five-star reviews in such a short period of time? Um, our ambassadors, we have over 20,000 of them. They started off as just people writing in saying, I love your product. And we would ask them to get 10 friends to sign up. And they became pen pals. I think it's like we call it intimacy at scale. And there's no company that I think in media, in the way that we all think about what media companies are, that can say that they have that. Like we genuinely know some subscribers' names. We really know who they are. And of course you can't do that for five million people, but we have a community and um, we know how to activate them. Yeah, I think for a long time there's been a trend of you need to have, you know, Facebook has two billion monthly active mm-hmm. users and you look at companies like that and that is tremendous scale. Yeah. But there seems to be this movement happening where, you know, maybe you don't need 
that many people as I long mean, as they're loyal. We ta- we've I talked think- about it with our investors very very early on. You know, we we've we've heard you know various founders of some of those companies speak, and we are such fans of them and their companies. And when we look at them, we're like, it's so funny to us that VCs ever put us in the same sentence as them because we couldn't be more different. We would much rather say we have five million people that we activate, and we can get them to pay for a subscription product we can get them to turn out in the thou- in the hundreds of thousands to vote then say we've got 20 million of them but only 2 million of them open us every day that's not interesting to us and i think that's where why we've always been kind of our own category and as these media trends and what's hot and what's not kind of come up um i think we always knew who we were we always knew what we were building as a company and we've been lucky enough to be surrounded by a board and investors and advisors that respected that and respected our vision and helped us along. So, you know, at times we always got, you know, well, you're not BuzzFeed, you're not at BuzzFeed scale. And we're like, well, that's because we're not trying to be BuzzFeed. <laughs> like BuzzFeed's great. We think they have great stuff, but that's not what we're trying to build as a company. Um, so I think it's always been about, you know, staying true to our vision and staying true to our audience and that whatever we create has to be additive. It has to be a voice that they trust and it has to be part of what they actually need to get through their day. And that's what they find whenever they interact with our products. Yeah, I think you know one thing that's interesting that you've built is um, you keep talking about loyalty and you know we've seen it being on the receiving end. When you put a Business Insider link in a Skim article, we see a flood of traffic. Mm-hmm. And I know, are we allowed to talk about this? Uh, how you compete with things like when you recommend a wine oh, yeah. and when yeah. you recommend a book, it's yeah. it's often better performing sometimes than even the New York Times. Yes. Yeah, um, we've been told by publishers that we are the number one way to sell books for this audience. Um, we, like we don't have a statistic to prove that. Above being a New York that. Times bestseller list? Ab- above Today's Show and b- above a New York Times bestseller list. You Multiple also, publishers have told us that. You can see that by walking into our office and we literally get <laughs> I mean, publishers are sending us literally cartloads of books. And we're like, we just need one or two. Right, you put like, one in a newsletter. One every day, Friday right? and every a bottle Friday. of wine that we like every Friday. And it's we happily, happily taste test the wine and happily read the books. And um, Do you get affiliate fees? Yeah, so we, and we, you know, um, are open about that in the newsletter. Um, but we care, I mean, we choose what we think is the best for this audience. And I think, you know, it's not about, oh, we're going into the book business. That's not what we're saying. It's about we are in the engagement business. We can drive as much traffic to a BI article as we can to driving book sales and as we can to driving sales towards our new products with Skim Ahead. And um, I think it, it just goes into the, the power, powerful relationship we have with our audience. Um, you know, we feature products and brands we like all the time and I can't even tell you how many brands have said we've changed their business trajectory because they were featured in the Skim. And um, that's a wonderful feeling. And you know, we've been told we have the Oprah effect. We would never say that about ourselves, but we're happy to repeat the quote. <laughs> Definitely. And Oprah is a fan, right? She Oprah yes. is a fan, which is a very surreal sentence to say. <laughs> so what do you think's next? Are you going to do video ever? Are you going to do podcasts are kind of all the rage like this? Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do, um, you know, an audio version of the skim? I think it's it's all coming. It's just about how you prioritize it and when you release it. So we started the company with two guiding principles. The first is that we have a voice. The voice is very clear and it's in all products that we create. And the second is that we really have a strong belief in looking at the routines of this target audience and fitting that in with uh, what we release and when. So that's the same thing. You wake up and you get an email that's telling you what you need to know for your day and then you step out your door and you get your calendar. Um, so those two things are very much in our product 
roadmap, we did raise our B to go into video. Um, you can check out our Instagram and Facebook site for uh, some of the video that we've been producing. Um, we just did one on equal pay and uh, we did one on Syria and immigration and it's gone over really well. Um, that's just kind of the, the beginning of what we're doing and what we're testing. Um, I think as former video producers, it's exciting that we're going into that and we clearly see a lot of interesting ways to work with brands. Um, so that's up next. I think it's also um, thinking about you know other products and services that fit into the routines of this audience that we've always wanted to create and haven't had um, the time or the ability to, to focus on other things. And I think that's the benefit of being where we are now with the amazing team that we have that we can really start thinking about you know what what was in our head five years ago and three years ago and now it's actually the perfect time for us to be able to create those things so one question i probably should have started with but i guess we could, we could end with it is how does the skim newsletter come to be every day how does it land in my <laughs> inbox how do you put it together how do you pick the it's stories magic. who writes yeah. it there's never any copy errors that yeah. i see what, oh, what thank goes you. On? Thank you. Um, no, I, you know, I think we, um, we've developed our secret sauce. We, of our team of 41, um, only five are on the editorial team. We still touch every word and, and see every what word. What is everyone but, else doing? Uh, it's tech, analytics, sales, and product, really. Um, and for us, um, you know, it's about every day we, it's the best part of our day to pick the stories. And it's the same principle that we started with, which is what will our friends need to talk about? what's becoming a story, what already is a story, and what will feel old by tomorrow. Um, and so we just want you to be able to go to any work event or any social event and talk to anyone about anything. Because we love doing that. We love picking those stories every day. It's the easiest and best part of our day. Um, and uh, the last edit is made every morning at 5.58 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Right for that 6 a.m. deadline. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Well, congrats to you both. Thank it's been you. really fun to cover your success over Thank the past few years. Much. And I'm sure more to come. Thanks for listening to Success How I Did It. For more episodes, subscribe on Acast or iTunes. You can also check out more interviews that we've done with the founders of Tinder, Bleacher Report, Warby Parker, and more. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.